Previously on Transformers University, we took a look at the Marvel Comics limited series Transformers numbers 1 through 4, and we took a trip to Europe to check out the first batch of original Marvel UK Transformers stories. And now we return back to the US for some more Transformers comics from Marvel with issues 5 through 8 on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to episode 17 of Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, and today we are returning to the U.S. run of the Marvel comics. And before we do that, just a quick shout-out to all of our Patreon patrons. If you've enrolled in Transformers University on Patreon, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And if you would like to enroll with us and get a lot of extra bonus content and uh, a lot of fun and interactivity then sign on at patreon.com slash tfuinfo patreon.com slash tfuinfo and you can support the show for as little as a dollar a month all right so it's been a while since we've been in the marvel u.s universe of transformers comics and in 1985 the limited series became an ongoing series and would continue on for 80 issues. So today we will talk about issues 5 through 8, uh, and that covers a couple of storylines. And if you're a UK fan, uh, I will note also which um, issue numbers are reflected here as well as we go through the issues. Now, speaking of the UK run, I think it's interesting to note here that all of the in-between stuff that we mentioned in episode 16 of Transformers University uh, takes place between issues three and four of the Marvel run and a Marvel US run, I should say. And so, picking up with issue five, we're picking up from the cliffhanger that was left in the US series, uh, which wasn't in the UK series, as we didn't see Shockwave come in and defeat everyone. What we saw was a very concise ending to the story. So starting with issue 5, uh, we will talk about the cover of this issue uh, in a bit because it is quite the iconic cover, but first I want to talk about the creative team because there are a few changes that are very important to the series and uh, there's a bunch of uh, important people in comics history that worked on a few of these issues, but we'll go in order and we'll start with issue 5. Now, uh, most important thing is uh, Bob Budiansky. Uh, he moves from the editor role to the writer's role. So he becomes the writer of this book and will do so for an extended period of time. Uh, the art on this book was by Alan Kupperberg. Uh, he did pencils and inks. And uh, he is a longtime uh, comics artist. Uh, worked with Marv Wolfman, another name that uh, we have not gotten to in this series yet. Uh, but a very, very important name in, in Transformers uh, history and as far as being uh, a creator on multiple series of Transformers. Uh, but he worked with Marv Wolfman on a uh, Howard the Duck and newspaper strip and uh, also created Obnoxio the Clown and uh, wrote and created a, a one-shot called Obnoxio the Clown versus the X-Men. Rick Parker returns on letters for the first time since uh, issue number one, and Nell Yomtov, of 
course, returns as the colorist. Now, the editor, since Bob Budiansky moved over to the writer's role, the editor is Jim Ousley. Now, Jim Ousley was uh, the assistant editor to Larry Hama of uh, G.I. Joe fame and was the first uh, African-American editor in mainstream comics, meaning in Marvel or DC. Now, that name may not be familiar to you, and uh, that's probably because he goes by a number of different names. Now, you may know Jim Owsley as a musician, uh, as Hollis Stone, uh, an R.B. and uh, funk musician. You may know him as a Baptist minister, which he is. He's also a priest. How is he a Baptist minister and a priest? Well, he's a priest by name. Now, you may know him uh, more widely as Christopher J. Priest. And Christopher J. Priest, a uh, very acclaimed writer in comics, wrote the uh, Black Panther uh, Volume 3 series in the late 90s, along with uh, Mark Teixeira. Was one of the early architects behind the scenes of Milestone Media. And my personal favorite here, he was co-creator of Quantum and Woody with Acclaimed Comics and then later came back a few years ago to update that particular in-universe tale of Quantum and Woody with Valiant Comics. Now, his co-conspirator on Quantum and Woody was an artist by the name of M.D. Bright. And that M stands for Mark. And Mark D. Bright was the cover artist on this very particular issue of the Marvel Transformers comic. Now, if you haven't seen this cover, look up Transformers number 5 or look up The Transformers Are All Dead. Uh, it features Shockwave on the cover with the words, Are All Dead, emblazoned into a wall behind him. It's an awesome drawing of Shockwave. It is uh, really neat. And then the Transformers logo is used at the top to begin the sentence. Now, <laughs> I always thought it was a question in my head. Uh, as a kid, I used to flip um, some of the words around, I guess. And it was always to me, I never worked the logo into uh, the cover. So to me, it was uh, not so much, a, it was so much a question, it was, it was all are dead in my head <laughs> when I would see that cover uh, growing up. And it, it took me until a long time to realize that it was all one piece that worked together. Now, Mark D. Bright uh, was the cover artist on this and uh, a couple of the upcoming issues that we will talk about today. Um, he is also a very skilled bass player at the First Baptist Church of Bloomfield, New Jersey. <laughs> get into the content of issue number five now we start with a splash page of the classic tv series the honeymooners and i am a huge honeymooners fan grew up on that show and in living in new york uh, that show was on every night uh, just after the news on wpix the same channel that had transformers and so I'm one of those people, it's really annoying to watch The Honeymooners with me because I can pretty much run the punchline of every joke right before they say it. Uh, 
and Alan Kupperberg here goes some serious deep cuts in this artwork. Now, Shockwave is watching TV and he's watching what uh, he believes to be Earth uh, and its life and what life is like. And so the deep cuts here on this Honeymooners clip. So there are boxes on the table uh, in the scene that they're showing. And there are words on those boxes. And um, there are two that are obscured by, uh, I think, a baseball mitt that's on the table. And that's a reference to another uh, episode of The Honeymooners. And he kind of uh, conflated a few episodes together to make this piece of art. And uh, two of the boxes, you can make out a little bit of the words. And you don't, you know, if you're not a... uh, person who can quote the honeymooners uh, at will like I can <laughs> he wouldn't know what was there and as I was looking a little closely at the boxes I realized that the boxes that are obscured are references to an episode called better living through TV and that uh, to many is known as the chef of the future episode and in that episode Alice talks about a few of Ralph's schemes that didn't work out $2,000. I don't want the money. It's not for me. It's to get you things. You can get the television set you want, the washing machine you want. You can get the vacuum cleaner you Ralph, want. Ralph, you don't have to get me any of those things. We got them already. What are you talking about? We got them. Sure. There's our television set over there. Don't you remember, Ralph? That's the one you bought out of the profits of that surefire investment of yours. Remember? The new invention that was going to do away with electric lights? Wallpaper that glows in the dark. (laughs) There's our vacuum cleaner right over there, Ralph. Isn't it a beauty? You know how we got that? I bought it as soon as the money started just rolling in from that other investment of yours that couldn't miss. The uranium field in Asbury Park. (laughs) And we don't need a new washing machine, Ralph. That one over there is just fine. Do you remember the scheme that got us that one? No cow pizza. And though the text might be a bit obscured, two of those boxes are clearly labeled no-cal pizza and glow-in-the-dark wallpaper. But those weren't the only boxes on the table. Kupperberg's uh, cuts get so much deeper than just the original black-and-white versions of the Honeymooners. So the flaky-wakey boxes and the scene itself are drawn from the Jackie Gleason show version of the Honeymooners that aired in the 60s, and those are very hard to come by. Uh, in fact, I didn't even know much about them uh, going into re- researching this episode. So the term flaky-wakey was a product that was in an episode uh, that was redone in the color Honeymooners episodes in 1961. But the scene itself with Audrey Meadows as Alice, because they changed Alice's in the, uh, in the 60s, uh, the scene where Alice is out on the fire escape as uh, Ralph is talking to Ed inside of the apartment and basically gets caught is from an episode called The Box Top Kid. Now, that's the episode that was remade and Flaky Wakey was used in 1961 as one of the products that's in a box of stuff that he bought to try to win uh, contests that are on the packaging. So that is the deep cuts that go into... This single page of Transformers number five, and it's a page that we only got here in the U.S. In the U.K., 
um, I guess for likeness purposes they couldn't use that page and had to use a promo still turned black and white of the 1980s TV miniseries V. Now, Shockwave is also watching some other stuff on TV. He's watching Let's Make a Deal. He's also watching some football, and uh, there is a uh, word bubble from the TV saying that Otis Parsley gets tackled, and he, they give his number as number 32. So that is um, also the number of one Mr. O.J. Simpson. So it's probably a reference, the Parsley O.J., uh, the names beginning with O, uh, most likely are a reference to O.J. Simpson or a pseudonym without using his name. Uh, we also get introduced on the TV to G.B. Blackrock, uh, an oil tycoon, and Josie Beller, an engineer for Blackrock, as Shockwave learns about a drilling platform that Blackrock has created off the coast. Now, all the Autobots have been deactivated. They're hanging from a ceiling by their ankles, and in a nice two-page spread, we find a lot of miscolored Autobots as Shockwave walks through the room. We have Windcharger colored like brawn. We have Bumblebee and Cliffjumper with swapped colors. Trailbreaker in Optimus colors and Jazz with a red head. The Decepticons are being repaired and Shockwave is in command. Now Megatron is uh, under repair, but he's awake and immobile. And we recap basically the beginning of the miniseries here. And in the recap, it's fun to note that Big Red, the giant red Autobot from the first issue, uh, splash page, his arm makes an appearance in one of the flashback panels. Now, now to hammer home the point of being in command, Shockwave takes a miscolored red Sunstreaker and flays him in half in front of Megatron and... Uh, unfortunately, it is the last time we will see Sunstreaker until a group shot in issue 41. We then jump to the hospital where we find Buster and Ratchet who find each other. And uh, we find out that Ratchet has been working as an ambulance since dropping off Sparkplug who had a heart attack in issue 4. Uh, Buster visits his dad. His dad kind of makes him swear off hanging out with the Autobots. And... Uh, Ends that line with, you're all I got, son. And uh, that's an important line later on, but I want to make note of it now, is that Sparkplug says that Buster is all he has, so that clearly means it's his only uh, family in his life. Megatron tries to find out where Shockwave has been for four million years, and we find out that he followed the Ark's crash and won't say much else. Uh, the Autobots are going to be used for spare parts, except for Optimus, because Optimus is believed by Shockwave to be encoded with the Creation Matrix. Now, this is the first mention of the Creation Matrix in the comics, and this is the basis for the Autobot Matrix of Leadership uh, that we will see later in the 1986 movie. Uh, according to Shockwave, every 10 millennia, an Autobot leader is chosen to be encoded with it, and it allows the possessor to create life, and Shockwave plans to build an army and conquer Earth by extracting the Matrix from Optimus and building more Decepticons. Now, he also notes that the Decepticons are vastly outnumbered in this battle. And then he flies out to execute his plan. And it's funny also here where they mention he leaves, he transforms into his gun mode and flies away. And it's mentioned that he is a space gun. Now, we cut back to Ratchet and Buster 
returning to the Ark, and on their drive, we find out that Ratchet doesn't quite understand traffic laws or Earth society, and this is something that's going to go on for the next uh, few issues. Uh, they get to the Ark, they see that there are Decepticons guarding the base, and Buster sneaks in to find Optimus Prime's head attached to a mainframe. And that is pretty much the end of this issue. Now, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the UK version uh, was published uh, across issues 22 and 23. The cover for issue 22 is the famous Mark D. Bright Transformers number 5 cover. And cover 23 is by an artist named Robin Smith. And he was, as I mentioned in uh, the UK episode, another alum of the Judge Dredd 2000 AD kind of Marvel UK family. That one has Buster among the Autobot uh, corpses, if you want to call them that, uh, hanging from the ceiling. And him basically it's Buster in a meat locker. And that will wrap up issue five. The New Order uh, is the title of that issue, which I don't think I mentioned before. So that takes us to issue number six. The Worst of Two Evils is the title of this one, and it is the same creative team that brought you issue number five with a few slight changes. Uh, the cover of issue number six, which is Shockwave and Megatron battling it out over an oil platform, is by Kupperberg. And uh, the UK covers, uh, which would be issues 24 and 25, the issue 24 cover is again a painting by Robin Smith, and this time it is Shockwave in space gun mode attacking the oil platform and issue 25 is the Transformers number six cover. So in this one we start with Shockwave attempting to commandeer Black Rock's oil platform, the one he saw on the news. Now uh, Josie Beller, their uh, engineer, begins running the uh, weapon system as Shockwave mounts his assault. Black Rock orders an evacuation and during the attack, Beller gets electrocuted. Back at the Ark, Optimus directs Buster to help uh, by having him remove some of the wiring that is attached to his disembodied head and attaching it to his own head. Uh, in here, Optimus uh, mind links with Buster Witwicky, and Buster passes out. I wonder what he did. Now, eventually, Buster would awaken and sneak back outside, and that's important because just before that, Shockwave returns as Megatron plans and plots his escape, and Megatron does get free and sneak up on Shockwave and blasts him through the side of the Ark and Mount St. Hillary. Now, uh, interesting note here, um, it's believed that the art on this page where Megatron blasts Shockwave through the side of the mountain is actually a different artist than Alan Kupperberg. Uh, and there's a couple things on TF Wiki's entry about this issue, and that mainly that uh, the page uh, has yellowed at a different rate than the rest of the book uh, in terms of the original art. And uh, it is actually kind of, I guess, pasted over a page as if it was Xeroxed. Um, I, that's at least what I got from the uh, Wiki entry, and I could be wrong. Um, but it, the art style is definitely different as well. And uh, a lot of people believe that it is William Johnson who drew this and he is the artist on the next issue. So we'll talk about him in just a few minutes. 
Now, uh, Megatron and Shockwave fight uh, in the streets of Oregon. And uh, Shockwave wins. Megatron begs for his life. And Shockwave spares him and uses him as an example to the other Decepticons as he makes the ones remaining at the base swear loyalty to him. Along with Megatron, they all do. And that's where this issue wraps up. And that takes us to Transformers number 7, Warrior School, uh, which was UK 26, and it's the one issue I've seen so far that is entirely self-contained in a UK issue. This is all of issue 26 in the UK and all of issue 7 in the United States and North America. Now we get a new art team, as I just mentioned before, on this issue, and uh, the artists on this issue are, uh, well, first, M.D. Bright did the cover here of this issue, and it's the same cover and on both sides of the Atlantic, and that is Megatron confronting Ratchet in uh, Buster's garage. And uh, the pencils for this uh, were from the aforementioned William Johnson, and uh, there's not a lot of information out there about William Johnson. Uh, probably one, because he has a very common name, and two, from... Uh, what I could find on a Daredevil website uh, with an interview with Bob Budiansky is that um, William Johnson was bad with deadlines, apparently, and uh, didn't make him long for the comics industry. Uh, he was penciler on Denny O'Neill's run on Daredevil from issues 197 to 202 and issues 205 and 207. The inks on this book are by Kyle Baker. Now, Kyle Baker, an award-winning comics artist has won many uh, Eisner and Harvey Awards uh, as part of the Plastic Man reboot a few years ago, did the graphic novel Why I Hate Saturn, uh, and has uh, numerous, numerous credits to his name. Uh, just look him up, Kyle Baker, comics artist. And a uh, couple of interesting things about Kyle Baker that I found. Uh, so he went to the School of Visual Arts here in New York. Now, while at SVA, Kyle Baker had... Milton Glaser as one of his instructors and uh, eventually would go and freelance for him as well and if you don't know who Milton Glaser is we mentioned him in a previous episode he is the guy who designed the I Heart New York logo so let's tie that back there now to the story uh, Ratchet and Buster interrupt some college kids camping Ratchet unfamiliar with uh, things on earth uh, discovers the uses of wood and we find out that uh, Ratchet liked to party in his days on Cybertron. Uh, we also find out that Ratchet will learn about hot dogs in this scene. During the scene, Buster has what I like to call a Matrix migraine. And goes home with the uh, campers who offer him a, a ride back. Then we cut to Blackrock Aerospace Plant. Now uh, Soundwave sneaks in using the old uh, lost stereo trick that we've seen a number of times already and attacks the plant with laser beak. We cut to a Blackrock medical facility where uh, Josie Beller, who was electrocuted last issue, is paralyzed and can still use her right arm and is programming away on a computer with just one hand. We jump back to Ratchet, who is sneaking into the Ark. He finds the Autobots and Optimus Prime. Optimus then tells Ratchet that he needs to step up and think like a warrior, thus enrolling him in warrior school. And speaking of enrolling, uh, you can enroll in Transformers University at patreon.com slash tfuinfo. 
where we have a number of fun levels to enroll in ranging from one to ten dollars and that'll get you either in as a freshman all the way up to super senior now back in the story uh, Buster reopens Sparkplug's garage and uh, he's there with his friends Jesse and O who returned from the mini series uh, he gets frustrated with them uh, taking on the responsibilities of uh, doing the repairs that his father would do if he were around and in that frustration, he lashes out at them, basically makes them leave. And uh, O takes that quite literally, because this is the last time we will ever see O. Uh, once again, Buster gets a Matrix migraine. And things start floating around him. Mechanical metal objects all start floating around him. Uh, we cut back to Ratchet, who gets caught in the arc by Megatron. Uh, and the two fight. Now this is the first of many uh, instances in many Transformers series where Ratchet and Megatron will battle it out. So that's one of the things from the comics, and especially in the Marvel comics, that this happens a lot. Now, losing the battle, Ratchet uh, decides to bargain with Megatron, offering him a way to defeat Shockwave. He conjectures that it was the Dinobots that defeated Shockwave. Now we get a flashback from Megatron that reveals that Shockwave landed on Earth in the Savage Land. Now look, we're still in the Marvel Universe portion of uh, this continuity. It's kind of neat that the Savage Land is in here. And uh, in that uh, flashback, it does get a little confusing to me as the reader. Um, maybe it's because the text boxes uh, change from one page to another as far as the narration goes. One has a red stripe through them on the first page, and the second page does not... And so I wasn't sure if Megatron or Ratchet or both were narrating the flashback portions. Um, but I'm pretty sure after reading it a few times that it's all Megatron. And uh, uh, in the course of this, we find out that uh, Shockwave was defeated by the Dinobots, but Megatron does not know how. And Ratchet pretends to know how to defeat Shockwave and cuts a deal with Megatron. And in this deal, the two enact the right of oneness where each one pours a bit of their fuel into uh what looked like some sort of uh planter uh it gets ignited on fire and the punishment for not fulfilling your end of the bargain is death and that is where this issue wraps up and that takes us to issue number eight repeat performance is the name of the storyline it takes place over issues 27 and 28 in the uk run and the Creative team remains the same uh, from Transformers 7. The UK issue 27 features a cover by Robin Smith, uh, which has Shockwave transforming into space gun mode and a big blurb that says, Now Weekly. So I guess uh, last episode, if you heard me ramble on a little bit about whether or not the comic was bi-weekly or weekly, I guess this is the point where it goes weekly in the UK and issue 28 uh, in the UK and this issue, issue 8 in the US features a Mark uh, D. Bright cover of the Dinobots Grimlock Slag Sludge erupting from the volcano and it's actually a very cartoon inspired cover considering uh, the Dinobots do not appear at the arc in the book so this issue starts with Ratchet 
now down in the Savage Lands. Really cool drawing of Ratchet. Uh, this is a William Johnson uh, penciled book, and uh, it's pretty neat. He's on this skiff that he's riding through the Savage Land, which we find out is called a MARB, uh, M-A-R-B, Mobile Autobot Repair Bay. And it's interesting to note here that it's not the repair bay that's included with his toy or that we've seen in the early issues of the limited series but it's just a piece of Cybertronian tech. Now there's an interesting editor's note from Jim Owsley aka Christopher Priest in this issue and uh, mentions that it takes place prior to the events of Avengers 257. So again we're still in the main Marvel universe as far as the Transformers comic book is concerned and I think this might be the last time we'll actually get a reference to an outside greater Marvel universe in the Marvel Transformers run. Now the events of that Avengers issue real quick. A character named Terminus uh, destroyed all the machinery keeping the Savage Land which is located in Antarctica from uh, basically becoming Antarctic in climate. So the Savage Land had begun or did change back to an icy continent. Back at the Ark, Shockwave and Megatron prepare to move Optimus, uh, and that is all that's going on there until we go back to the Savage Land, where Ratchet finds Slag in a tar pit, and yes, he's even called that in the UK book. In this scene, Ratchet opens up Slag's brain and accesses his memories for answers. Now this is actually an interesting concept because it really does come back to uh, in the future with IDW's version of Transformers where there is nemosurgery where certain characters are known to have accessed or changed other characters memories within their brain. And uh, it's just interesting to note that this goes all the way back to issue 8 of the Marvel run. Now, the memories uh, are not altered here, but they do tell a tale of the Ark reviving the Dinobots with uh, very little power left uh, uh, to fight Shockwave. And at the time, it considered the dinosaurs to be the dominant life form on Earth, and thus giving the five Autobots it had awoken dinosaur forms. And of course, those are the Dinobots we know and love. Grimlock, Slag, Sludge, Snarl, and Swoop. In the flashback, uh, the Dinobots fight Shockwave in prehistory, another trope that does carry on uh, in other forms of Transformers fiction. Uh, he knocks and throws them uh, all into a tar pit at some point. Uh, in the melee, Snarl tail whips a cliffside, bringing down the mountain and Shockwave on the Dinobots and the tar pit and trapping them all for millions of years. Just then, Slag wakes up uh, and almost attacks Ratchet, uh, but then realizes he's an Autobot and stands down. Now, it's interesting to note here, too, that the comics Dinobots are not nearly as dumb as the cartoon Dinobots. They speak in full sentences and uh, seem fairly uh, intelligent in comparison to their cartoon counterparts. We jump back to Shockwave, who returns to the Black Rock aerospace plant with Optimus's head, and we find out that he plans on using the Creation Matrix to build six new Decepticons. Uh, jump back to the hospital where Josie Beller is building an exoskeleton, and more on that in a little bit. Back at the Ark, uh, Megatron gets a FaceTime call from Ratchet, who shares a video 
of the Dinobots defeating Shockwave from Slag's memory, but portraying it as having happened right now. Plans to meet Megatron atop a mountain, and he does, uh, just near the Ark. Megatron shows up and plans to kill Ratchet, but Ratchet had a backup plan. The Dinobots were hiding in the snow as protection. The Dinobots attack Megatron, and Megatron wins easily. Megatron then challenges Ratchet to fight him, and Ratchet charges at Megatron and tries to shoulder check him uh, and falls flat on his butt. Megatron laughs, but the mountain that Megatron is standing on collapses beneath him, and Megatron falls uh, a long way and transforms into gun mode at the last second to soften his fall where he is swallowed by the snow. So instead of going and retrieving Megatron and imprisoning him, Ratchet and the Dinobots decide to leave Megatron behind and go back to the Ark. That wraps up the Autobots portion of the story. We jump to the epilogue where we find Josie Beller now has an exoskeleton and can talk, and they tease what is coming next in issue 9, Circuit Breaker. And one more thing to tie this all together, Kyle Baker, the inker on this and the previous issue, also did a comic for Image that he co-created called Circuit Breaker. They're not related, but it's just interesting to see that name carry back and forth. And that will wrap things up for another edition of Transformers University. As always, you can keep up with the show on social media, on the internet, and just about anywhere you are. Lots of ways to do it. First, check out the website, tfu.info. World's longest running Transforming Toy Archive. Now, you can catch us on YouTube. Please come on by to YouTube, youtube.com slash tfuinfo, and subscribe. Uh, We are trying so hard to get to a thousand subscribers and right now we are just below 500 and you'll be first to know whenever there's new content up there simply by subscribing if you have a gmail account or if you have a youtube account just sign in click subscribe and you're already set of course if you'd like to enroll at our patreon you would have heard this episode 24 hours before everyone else and you would have also gotten in on a lot of other fun patreon exclusive content now to do that, swing on by patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash tfuinfo and sign up today. Now, there's other ways also to keep up with me and the site. Twitter.com slash tfu underscore info. It's the only one I got an underscore on for the time being, but uh, that is the Twitter handle. Facebook and Instagram, either one of those, dot com slash tfuinfo. Uh, all three social medias, you can catch my daily desk bot at least five days a week, Monday through Friday, and occasionally on the weekends, where I'll post a photo of a Transformer from my collection, usually one that has accompanied me to work. And of course, if you'd like to support the show and you use Amazon, then I've got something for you. tfu.info slash Amazon. Anything you buy, I recommend a car. Amazon decides to uh, send back couple cents my way to help fund this show of course you don't have to just buy a car you can buy your everyday items a you know toilet paper toothpaste soap even your daily groceries whatever you do on amazon just use our link tfu.info slash amazon it'll take you right to amazon and then anything you do after that helps us out so before i dismiss class for this episode here's a heads up what's coming up 
Next time on Transformers University, we are going back to the cartoon, episodes 6 through 10 of season 2 of the G1 cartoon. Until then, I'm your host, Anthony Bercali. See you.